This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind. My name is Laura Bradburn and I'm joined as always on this Friday by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well, Laura, very well. Just first I wanted to say do not adjust your set with a shirt. It's just temporary interference, all right? Uh, (laughs) Not trying to rival Russell at all, just... Actually, what I hadn't worn my wardrobe, so that was the first one on your mind. <laughs> Deary me. Um, but as you may notice, we are we are a man down. The three amigos are but two uh, for now anyway. Um, Jim is having some technical issues and will hopefully be joining us at some point within the next couple of minutes. But uh, 
until such times as that happens, we'll we'll carry on. Um, we've got a lot to discuss today. We've got obviously my new little uh, game show game. I'm doing my my Les Dennis, if you will, and uh, and got a wee a wee quiz going on Twitter. So we're going to reveal first of all who that player is uh, that you had to guess from the career stats that I put up on Twitter last night. Um, we are going to be talking a little bit about the Celtic representation in the Scotland squad for the Euros um, and. David Turnbull specifically, as you can see in the banner, um, what that means for Scotland that he's in the squad, what it means for Celtic over the next couple of years that hopefully we can build the team around him. And then finally to close out, a wee bit of nostalgia, Tony, I know how much you love that. Um, A a wee bit of a look back, 18 years ago today, Seville. Can you believe that? I might cry at that. Yeah, I'll fill you in. We'll get into that anyway. But yes, so to reveal for anybody watching, plenty of folk on Twitter got the answer right. The answer was Darren Jackson. He was the man who played for Meadowbank Thistle, Newcastle United, Dundee United, Hibernian, Celtic, Coventry City, Heart of Midlothian, Livingston, St Johnston and Clydebank. Tony, the response when people realised it was was Darren Jackson was, was, uh, shall we say, mixed. what what are your memories of him as a Celtic player? What what are your thoughts of him? I think Dan Jackson's one of these guys that's more remembered for something that happened during his Celtic career rather than his Celtic career. Mm-hmm. You know, when he got the, the water on the brain. Mm-hmm. He was out for three months. But what I loved about Dan Jackson was that, that quote that said, I could have been at any club in the world, but I would never have been looked after any better. Yeah. And, uh, and the love that he got from the Celtic supporters at that time and the love that he got from the club and he nursed him through a very worrying time in his life and his career. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that strikes a chord with a lot of players, you know, who maybe don't make their mark at the club. Yeah. You know, because Darren Jackson was a decent footballer. But let's be honest, he was brought into partner Henrik Larson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think the thing no. as well that people forget as well is that that water in the brain thing happened to him. Uh, first, I, I was watching a, an old report last night on YouTube, and the 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 first headaches that he got was on the twenty sixth of August in the year that he signed, and he'd yeah. only signed in the summer, so he didn't actually start a game for Celtic until he came back in the November or something like that, yeah. something like that, um, or December. Yeah. So you know, it, it's not as if he had a chance to get his feet under the table and then and then sort of that happened to him. He was he was fighting a fighting a huge battle on and off the pitch from from the minute he walked through the doors. And I think my abiding memory I think he scored when his comeback game, didn't he? Yes, Aberdeen it was, yeah. Aberdeen at Patodge and he ran to the Celtic supporters. And it was just a beautiful moment. You know, everybody has one of these kind of moments and I think that was Darren Jackson's moment, a kind of redemption moment where all the Celtic supporters gave him the love that he probably craved and wanted as a Celtic player you know and he got that in that instant and I think that's why he he remembers his time fondly the way he was treated by the club and the way he was treated by the fans I mean the fans will be the first to say wasn't he the greatest player but when something like that happens it kind of puts gives you a perspective on life Mm -hmm. you know and and, yeah you know but but Dan Jackson was a decent player he scored I think he scored about 50 goals and 170 appearances for Hibs, something like that. You know, the Hibs yeah. fans loved him. Then he committed to the cardinal sin of signing for Hearts. But my <laughs> own dealings with him as an agent after he hung up his boots were 
very cordial and he was a cracking lad. He was a cracking guy. And yeah. uh, if he was to ever come on the pod, you, you would find that out for yourself. He, he's a decent, decent fella. And, you know, it, it just some things don't work out and it mm. just didn't work out for Darn at Celtic uh, and not through, and through external factors. Yeah, uh, the, the one thing I wanted to ask you, you obviously, I, I mean, it was probably very early on, even if you had, I don't even know if you had started your journalism career at that stage, but there was that famous rumour going round that obviously it was Vim Janssen's first signing and that he was potentially signed off the back of videotapes. Now, it was a, <laughs> it was a scandal, the rumour at the time. I'm sure it's a lot more common nowadays than it was back then, given technology, but... Do you know if there's any truth in that rumour or or was he scouted in any way? I don't even know. I, I'm, I, I can I be honest and tell you, I, I don't particularly know. But I uh-huh. mean, I think uh, I think uh, Raphael was certainly signed on a DVD compilation. Yes. I, I, I mean, people certainly know that. With the, with the added tax of the one Brazil cap, which apparently was a whole yeah. a whole sort of yeah. thing that they were deliberately doing in Brazil to get yeah. to get inflated prices, it wouldn't surprise me if Dan Jackson was maybe signed on the back of videotape technology and, and evidence, you know. But I can't confirm that or say yeah or yeah. nay for that because I, I don't actually know. But uh, I, I think if you were looking at him, then he. He was a player that was doing well at another club in his mm-hmm. afternoon before, maybe a person of interest. But when you've signed Henrik Larsson, you you need to pair him with somebody, somebody good. You know, yeah. and Darren Jackson might have been good, but he wasn't in that class or that bracket. And, yeah. you know, and that's why it never really happened for him, you know. So, few, you few were, few were. Jim, you're yeah. back with us. How you doing? <laughs> Still having some technical issues, but we'll, we'll crack on with that. Um, just, again, um, Lewis Lewis McLean on Twitter um, said that he went to his return game um, after illness driving up north. Um, he says Dingle, but I'm sure, like you say, it was uh, it was Aberdeen. Um, he says he'd been looking for a people carrier earlier in the day, and the salesman asked him if he wanted to. Um, loan it for 24 hours to trial it out so he ended up driving him and seven other Celtic supporters up the road to watch Darren Jackson's return so we stories like that always make me giggle there's there's wee memories that stick in your brain about games and it's it's absolutely brilliant I read that because then somebody asked him if he bought it and he said no chance it was blue didn't he that was his addendum to that if he's still down and I burst it laughing that's brilliant you know so Oh, well, there you go. There's there's Paul in the background saying Fergus McCann had a signing policy where every player had to be scouted live. The only player for whom the the rule was broken was Harold Bratback. And it's funny, actually, one of the reports I was watching last night was uh, Darren Jackson scored his first comeback goal, but he'll, uh, he'll have a competition for his place uh, when Harold Bratback signs from, from, from Rosenberg in the coming weeks. And I was thinking to myself, my God... God bless you, Henrik Larson, for having to deal with that. But you know, well, I I always say that Harold Brackback didn't miss when it mattered. No, no, he did and, not. Uh, for all people can say, he was this that, and the next thing he still remembered as a man that scored the clinching goal alongside his partner Henrik in the game against St Johnston that stopped stopped the other ten. So he'll always be fondly remembered as as Jim will vouch for. You yes. know, a bit like Brat back himself, so yes. don't have a word against him. You know, so no, you. I, 
and I think that's the thing talking about Darren again specifically is you know people can say what they like about his football and ability they can say what they like about whether he, he was that that famous phrase of a Celtic class player that we like to throw around even though we don't really know what that means but at the end of the day he was part of the team that stopped the 10 yeah. he was part of a league winning team that did did something that many teams had tried over the previous decade to do and hadn't managed and I'll tell you something else he was very proud to be part of that team Yes, very fondly of his time in it and uh, enjoyed his time at the club despite the fact that it, it didn't go didn't go particularly well for him but uh, yeah and you know so I, I would never speak I love Darren Jackson people can think what they want but he was a decent decent footballer mm-hmm. sometimes you sign good footballers and it just doesn't happen you know but uh, he was he was always very kind and very cordial when I had any dealings with him and always spoke very highly of his, his time at Celtic so you can't ask for anything more than that really yeah I, I totally agree I think the I think you can you can be a very good footballer and just not fit with a club I mean we, we signed uh, I always remember us signing Janino and although he was in in his later years I was very excited by it because he was one of these players that was kind of one of my favourites to watch down in England growing up and I thought he's going to rip it up here and for, for one reason or another it just didn't work out And but there's no denying his footballing ability so you, you, you just have yeah. to you just have to go with it. But uh, we'll get Jim's thoughts on Darren Jackson if and when he manages to join us again because I know he's got a, an interesting story about having met Darren once a couple of years ago and I'd really like to hear more about that when we can. Um, but in the meantime, we will move on um, to other topics. So one thing I wanted to cover today, Tony, was the relatively high contingent of Celtic representatives in the Scotland squad um, this year considering you know we've not had the best season um, by our own standards there, there's a there's a decent whack of, of Celtic players so you've got Greg Taylor, um, Jack Hendry although he's on loan at Ostend, Callum McGregor, um, David Turnbull, Ryan Christie um, James Forrest um, and if you want to throw them in, Stuart Armstrong and, and, and Kieran Tierney from from years gone by as well. Um, quite encouraging for a Celtic fan to be to be seeing that and seeing that representation. I know I know I would get behind Scotland no matter what, but you know we all know the history of the Scotland team and, and that Celtic are often underrepresented in these situations. So it is encouraging to see a healthy healthy Celtic contingent in there. Like of course, I mean I'm I'm a massive Scotland fan regardless of who plays for the for the, the national team. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you've touched on there, I mean, that's it's been a pretty dire season. Mm-hmm. But there's strong, strong representation uh, from Celtic Football Club going to the Euros. And uh, not that you needed an excuse to support Scotland, but you want to see those boys do well anyway. But you want to see the team do well, but it just gives you an extra impetus when you're supporting. And as you say, there's others there as well that have you know, played for Celtic, like Armstrong and, and Tierney, obviously. So there's a big, big... Uh, there's a big presence there, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that carries over from Rogers' time when a lot of the guys, when Strachan was playing, he played a lot of those Celtic players because they were winning and they had a set formation. You know, there was mm-hmm. at one point, I think there was six or seven Celtic players in the Scotland team, wasn't there? So, you know, uh, it, it bodes well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that. But I'm also happy to see, and I'm very happy to see the likes of Turnbull in the squad. Yes. You, know, you know my thoughts on Turnbull. I think he's a fantastic footballer, and he's had his bedding in season. And I think this season, or the season to come, you will see the best of David Turnbull. I certainly hope so. Yes, I hope so as well. Before we move on to talk a little bit more about that, Jim, you're back with us. Are you doing good? Can you hear me now? 
Yes, can hear no. you now. We're back. We're back in business. Back in business. Good. Yes. Oh, missed. Oh, missed. Uh, well, we were going to get your thoughts on uh, you. You missed out on the majority of the Darren Jackson chat, but I know you had an interesting wee story about having met him a couple of years ago at an event. So I'd love to hear a bit more about about that and and uh, how you found him to interact with. I never met him. I never met him. No, he was he, he was even a photograph with me. That's a different thing altogether. Oh, right, yeah, so. right, right. Okay, different thing. But, but he, he's, he's, I'd say he, he's. Dead. Probably one of the good guys is Darren Jackson. Uh, I, I don't know what Tony said there, but uh, thing. I mean, I think uh, when I was thinking about this, you give us a homework last night, I do really think about this, Darren Jackson. I think there's four aspects to it. I was thinking in terms of Darren Jackson. The player actually when they actually signed for Celtic, his illness, and what did they actually do for Celtic in that season? In terms the actual player themselves. I mean, to play for Scotland in the World Cup finals against the best team in the world in the opening game in front of billions of people. That's an astonishing thing for any football player. I mean, look at this. the fantastic players of the past, the Jinky Johnsons, the Jim Baxters of this world, never played in the World Cup. So he played against the best team in the world, first game in the World Cup. Brilliant. Uh, good player, never gave up. He's one of these guys when he played for the other team, he absolutely hated them. He would chase balls down, chase lost causes. He's one of those kind of guys. Uh, played mostly for Hibs, but was a big Hearts fan, apparently. Uh, when he signed for us, what did we think? Unwhelmed. Tony was at the time. Yeah, because yeah, I think we had such a big season coming up. Yeah. We'd be such a big season coming up. And uh, we were looking for a kind of big statement. We were looking for a big signing because trust us, Phenomenal team, Gascoigne and, and Loudrop, Alberts, and all these guys. These think they spent the guts of about 14 million quid and four players over that summer. So we were looking for a big sign, and we got Darren Jackson. So I underwhelmed was the, the reaction from the fans. Uh, in terms of what happened to his illness, I mean, I think as I've ninety percent of being a top footballer is all in the head. It's all psychological. And if you get a, a bad injury, that's really difficult to come back from. But to went through, he went through. Unbelievable to come back to actually play football in the first place. He came back after was it two or three months, Tony? He came back, something like that. Three months. Uh, three months he back. Uh, what did he do for Celtic? He did make goals in that season, but he scored vital goals. I mean, we lost the first two games in that season, and uh, the third game was up at St. Johnson. Uh, one nil up, and he scored the second goal. Fantastic goal, and there was a game a few months after that against Aberdeen, up at Aberdeen. He's the second goal in a 2 0 win as a game. And his, his third goal of that season was Aberdeen again at Celtic Park. We win and win, maybe five, six minutes to go. He pops up with the third goal. So they were, they were vital goals uh, yeah. in the greater scheme of things. And, uh, and uh, Jim, during that season, actually, yep. Um, I think we're going to drop Hello? out and try and get you back in. Um, it's still breaking up pretty badly, so uh, so if if you want to try one more time, we'll, we'll we'll give that a go and we'll crack on in the meantime. Um, yeah, I think what Jim raised a, a few good points there. The same as the same as um, the same as we were saying, Tony. You know, Darren Jackson achieved a lot more in, in football than a lot of players, and, and I think that's mm. to be respected. Um, yeah, he, he brought up the the opening game of France 98 this is obviously going to be a Scotland squad that's in the first uh, latter stages of an international tournament since that time um, Amy 
thankfully reminded us all that she has never seen it in her lifetime and uh, that made me feel pretty old, I have to say. Um, talking about David Turnbull that you touched on before, do you think, uh, even though he's a late addition to the squad, do you think he could potentially have an influential impact now that he is in the squad? No, I do, but before we go to talk about that, I got brilliant mm. about France 98. Brilliant. My, friend, my pal worked for the marketing department of Snickers. And he phoned me one day and I was working for the local paper in Paisley, which I just happened to christen the Paisley Gazette of Della Sport. Uh, it was the Paisley Gazette. And uh, he phoned me and said, can you write me World Cup questions? All right. What for? He said, they're going to appear on the Snickers bar. I said, OK. He said, many you want? He said, as many as you can get. So I sent him a thousand questions. <laughs> and... Uh, I was going to France to watch the Brazil game on a big screen and we're going through the Channel Tunnel. And he said, we're not watching it on the big screen. I said, all right, OK. And he handed me a ticket for the game. He said, that's your reward for writing all these questions. And I wow. <laughs> and I was uh, dressed in a Brazil top, a CU Jimmy hat, a kilt and a pair of gazelle. <laughs> and I appeared on Japanese TV saying the Le Coupe du Monde, Pour Tout Le Monde, and all that, which is the World Cups for everybody type thing. And, uh, yeah, and I sat beside a guy who was from Slough, and he was saying things like, come on, Scotland, give us a goal. Oh, yeah. And so when John Collins scored the penalty, me and my friend were rolling about the tarmac and absolutely filthy. (laughs) And and I I turned to this guy, and he's looking at me as if, "Mm -hmm, yeah. And he turned and he said, who did you get your ticket from? And I said, never you mind. I says, my friend, says, high places. Says, works for Snickers. Turned out my pal was the guy's boss. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. <laughs> he's oh, like, my goodness. He's like, Ryan. I'm like, aye, Ryan Sandilands. <laughs> <laughs> of, all the, of all the places you could end it up. We were like eight rows from the centre circle. It was just absolutely brilliant experience. Wonderful. Wow. As Jim said, yeah. Dan Jackson played in that game, you know, so uh, it's it was one of those, as you see, it's kind of lifetime ambition, seeing Scotland kick off the opening game of the World Cup, seeing John Collins score the penalty and then obviously losing the manner which we did. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah, but yeah. Far, far too many positive and negative Celtic connections to that with John Collins <laughs> scoring the penalty and then I think Tom Boyd scored the OG, Boyd, didn't he? Yeah, yeah exactly, right, but feeling you'd been robbed against Brazil, you know, yeah. they'd got off with one. But yeah, I mean, it's just that, that, that was, uh, that was just something that was surreal, you know, just, and he said he never told me that I had a ticket because I would have just bugged him for weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> you got it in your hand, is it in your hand? You see, so that's why he waited till like, a couple of hours before we were, were kick off. But, uh, that's yeah. absolutely brilliant. So in response to Turnbull, uh, I would love to see Turnbull be unleashed at Euro 2021. Honestly, I just think he's got it. I think he's a he's a footballer, and I just think the more he plays in big games, the more he'll get used to it, and he'll he'll take that mantle on. Because I think uh, I think so highly of him, and I, and I say that because as a working journalist, I watched Turnbull very early at Motherwell and realised Motherwell have got a diamond here. Mm-hmm. So he signed for Celtic the first time round. I was really happy. And then when it all went pear-shaped with the, the injury to the back, I was quite... I was sad for him because he's a lovely fella as well. He's a really down-to-earth, grounded kind of boy, you know. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, thought his world's collapsed. So I never, ever thought that he would go back so quickly 
and then to play the way he has for Celtic and bearing in mind you you say that some players come in and hit the ground running others don't he had to bide his time you know and he, and he probably knew he was a talented talented player and he could contribute and he's contributed bits and bobs this season but I think there's enough there to know that you know a footballer when you see one and I think Turnbull's a terrific footballer and would be a better footballer with better players around him and being able to go and dictate play and you know he's got a lot in his armoury mm-hmm. a decent set piece he can score goals from distance he's got a great passing range you know and I, I've never actually seen him make a tackle because he never really has to because he always seems to have the ball and space and his time and you know so I, I, I really do I, I rate him highly and I, I'd love to see him experience playing in a major championship for Scotland just mm-hmm. so that he gets used to that big game atmosphere and that, that kind of pressure and, and thrive on that I think um, I think. Uh, sorry, my phone's ringing. Everything's going wrong today. Um, no, I, I think uh, I think the the Martin the boy on uh, Twitter there has said uh, that regardless of all the signings that we need to make, um, there is a need to um, tie Turmel up specifically for Celtic going forward um, because what you're going to see is, I think. Say, for example, he gets his chance at the Euros. Um, we've seen it plenty of times before. Somebody uh, shines on a stage of that size and, and the suitors are, are soon uh, after them uh, very quickly. So um, that's something that we need to do, uh, not just from a financially like responsible point of view, but like my opinion is we need to try and build the team around them, surely, regardless of where where other people go uh, this season and um, who we bring in, who who goes out the door, surely he can be the fulcrum of the, certainly the attacking part of the team, you would think. And we spoke about that before, about building a team. Turnbull is the kind of player you would build your team around. And also as well, he was such a talented boy. He stayed at Motherwell dedicated himself to his craft and earned his move to Celtic. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's doing it in stages. You know, there was a loyalty there from Motherwell where he racked up, you know, I think it was over 100 appearances. Mm-hmm. You know, and got his move through being patient and not just kind of saying, all right, there's speculation about and, and jumping as soon as. He made sure that he was, uh, you know, not the finished article, but an article that made a club at Celtic sign him. So I think if he's wise... He would dedicate himself to playing for Celtic for the foreseeable future. And if Celtic mm-hmm. wise, yeah, they'll tie him up on some sort of longer term deal, better con- terms and conditions. If he does play the Euros and, and star, because there's no reason why he can't mm-hmm. do that, you know. But I think he's the kind of guy, as I say, he's very level headed, he's very grounded. He will not want to jump straight straight away. I think mm-hmm. he'll want to play for Celtic and establish himself at Celtic because Celtic thinks so highly of him. And I think he's very aware of that. And I think he knows that he can be a big player for Celtic in the foreseeable future. And that's where his heart and his mind will lie at this moment in time, at this juncture, regardless if he plays well at the Euros and regardless of bids coming in, unless it's utterly ridiculous and it it forces Celtic hand. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't think... Like like you say, an offer that you can't understand, never mind confuse. Yeah, one of those ones, yeah. One of those ones, yeah. And I think... uh, and I think that's what's uppermost in David. Can't speak for him, but I think that's what would be uppermost in his mind, making an impression at Celtic. He has a wee bit already, but not probably not enough. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not enough to tick that box to say, been there, done it with Celtic. My next challenge is, I think he wants to become a, a serial trophy winner at Celtic and then take his 
his career to the next platform and the next stage. Yeah, well, I think that's a decent point. Like, I, 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 there's a bit of me that thinks, you know, I, I don't think James Forrest will leave until he's physically pushed out the door. Um, Callum McGregor, I'm not sure um, if he's in the same boat, but either of those two going, you would kind of understand because they have they have seen and done it all as far as Celtic are concerned. Um, David Turnbull, I understand finances are a big uh, a big attraction in, in what is ultimately a short career, but you would like to think that um, having not really won anything with Celtic, um, bar the the Scottish Cup that he obviously um, was in some way involved in because it lapsed over into this season, um, you would like to think that he's going to prioritise winning something with Celtic um, within the next couple of years before he makes that move, like you say. Um, you would like to think that even in this modern day and age that, that something like that is still important to a footballer, um, and I hope so. But um, thanks everybody for your comments on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. We really appreciate everybody getting involved um, this week in particular. The support that, that the whole Axom team have seen across social media has been absolutely outstanding and, and we really want to thank you for that. Um, we're not going to touch on, on the issues that, that that arose earlier in the week because I think they've been gone over and we're here to we're here to create a positive Celtic support and atmosphere and we'll continue to do that. So um what I um want to move on to as far as um things are concerned with the Scotland team. I'd really be interested to know your thoughts, Tony, on the whole Callum McGregor situation. Everybody's appreciative of the fact that he's not been the player that we know this season. Um he more than most has been quite vocal about the fact that he's not been coached to to a great standard. He, he didn't say it in so many words, but you know he made it quite clear that he didn't really understand what the what the role was for him in the team at various points throughout the season. I'll be really interested to see because I think he will be a starter with Scotland. I'll be really interested to see what kind of um, player he is this summer. Uh, with a few weeks under um, Steve Clark's belt and uh, and and with a bit of coaching there that I'm sure is going to be of a higher standard than he's received at Celtic this season. Callum McGregor turns up in the Euros. Callum McGregor will be subject to bids. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to it, how much is somebody going to be willing to pay the Callum McGregor? And I and I I say this often: you be careful what you wish for. Yeah, because you won't know what you've got till it's gone. Callum McGregor has been in the heart of that engine room for so so long that he's set his own massive high bar standard, and he's fallen below that this season. In a season that mattered to everybody, and he's became some sort of whipping boy for Celtic supporters because he, he's such an influential player. And then we said it ourselves that. We don't think he's captain material. That's an opinion that might not be shared by others. That's fair enough. But Callum McGregor's a baller. And, mm. you know, coach strike and under a manic... I mean, Brendan Rodgers improved that guy immeasurably. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe could do the same. So I'm of the opinion that Callum has to stay. But again, your hand might be forced by somebody coming. And Brendan Rodgers rates him highly. You know, and then going back to it, does he feel that he's ran his race with Celtic? Because mm-hmm. he has been a serial trophy winner and he's been there, seen it, done it, got the T-shirt. But I would like to think that he wants to be part of the, the next revolution, for want of a better word, with a new management team coming in. But I think also as well, Gallagher's played a ridiculous amount of football. Yeah, yeah. For one so young. And I think a one-season blip in a, what, 
consistency of about five to six years. I, I mean, his his form levels are staggering, absolutely staggering. So, and I mentioned before, I think I saw him miss a sitter once, and it was away in Bruce uh, Bruce and Gladbach, mm-hmm. and he snatched it and he hammered it, and then every every other time I've seen Callum McGregor score, he's placed it into the net. Yeah. And obviously was told that night by Brendan, you don't need to hammer it. You know, you can be accurate by passing it and he, and he, seen, and, and he learned. Because yeah. every other goal, he's, he's more or less placed or, he, or when he's hammering it, he's hit it with accuracy because he knows where the frame of the goal is. That night, mm-hmm. he just got back excited. He, he rushed it and, and people got annoyed at him. But ever since then, I thought, wow, he actually took something on board because he could see it. You know, the goals he scored against Rangers at Hamden, the goals he scored in the, against Motherwell in the Scottish Cup final, other goals. He, he wasn't hitting and hoping, he was hitting to score. And more often than not, he did. So I was thinking that's an example of somebody being taken aside and saying, you don't have to leather the ball every time you get in front of goal. Mm-hmm. You've got a technique that you can place it. If you hit it hard, make sure it's on target. You know, so in a, in a, he's got so many attributes. He's got a great engine and he gets forward. And I think... We expected too much of Callum. I think a lot of people have said before that a lot of Celtic players this season uh, waited around for others to dig them out a hole instead of digging. You know, they looked around and thought someone will dig me out a hole and they just sat back and didn't dig along with others. And Callum was one of those guys that they looked to and he was digging and running about and maybe covering for Scott Brown as when he played and the legs were kind of... Out, you know, gone a wee bit. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of people, a lot of people got in his case because he wasn't allowed to do what he normally did, and that was to get forward and be effective. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm of the opinion that I want to keep Callum McGregor. And again, this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sometimes your portfolio needs your attention. And it doesn't care about your dentist appointment. Or your day job. Or your kid's recital. Rude, huh? Luckily, TD Ameritrade's customer service is available on whatever channel you prefer. Take on market changes on your terms with TD Ameritrade's specialized customer service. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash customer service. TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. If he has a great Euros and he plays and he stars, he could be another one who could be subject to bids. Yeah, and, and I, I I totally agree. I think I think there's suitors already looking at him down in England, and like you say, if he has a strong tournament, then then that's only going to increase their interest. Jim, you've been in and out more than the hokey cokey. How you doing? Last chance, man. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Clear as a bell. Maybe. Clear as a bell. Yeah. Over missed. Over missed. Well, we're we're just we're just having a discussion here about the the Celtic contingent, the reasonably large Celtic contingent in the in the Scotland squad for the Euros. Um, looking at it, you know, what do you think the chances are of some of those players having a significant impact on the team and uh, and and hopefully, you know, helping drive us on to success more so than they've done for for Celtic this season anyway. I think Stevie Clark will stick to his tried and trusted players. I don't see Greg Taylor getting a game. I don't see Turnbull getting a game. 
I'm disappointed that Lee's not there. I said all season I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Lee Griffiths. I don't understand why he's not there. I know that divides opinions, but you know, when we had to qualify in that playoff game, who did he bring on with five minutes to go to take a penalty kick? The first penalty kick. Mm-hmm. He's a guy. Who did who did we turn to in the, in the Scottish Cup final? Comes off the bench, scores the goal that should have been the winner. It's not. He's the first guy to take a penalty kick. So why? And I know all the arguments about he's not that fit and all this kind of stuff. You get 20, 30 minutes out of Lee Griffiths. Mm. Uh, because I don't see where, where Scotland's going to score any goals from at all. I think we're really weak up front. I think we're good in the middle of the park. Uh, at the back, we're quite, we're, we're quite solid. We've got a good goalkeeper, but up front, I really don't see where the goals are coming from. And I don't, I don't think we'll do particularly well. I don't have any great expectations about the World Cup. I mean, I'm a big fan of the national team. I hope we do well, but I just... We've got some good players, but I just think we're... People off the pace, and uh, if we can avoid it doing at Wembley, I'd be I'd be happy with that. Yes, and if we do okay in the other two games, then then fine. It's, it's a bit like as I said, going to Ibrox the other week. If we can get out of that one without getting a hammer, then I'd be I'd be happy with that because uh, they're a good team. Hang on, they're a good mm-hmm. team. What a kind of young, skillful players, and uh, I'm a bit fearful for that game. But you know, it'll be good to put. It's, it's just good to be there for, for a change. I mean, it's, it's just a shame that. Uh, no fans over there, hardly any fans over there due to COVID and it's going to be not in one country and all that kind of stuff. So that, I think that takes away from it a bit. Mm. But, uh, I think we've managed to qualify by the back door on penalty kicks. So it's not as if we've been the Tony Haggerty free-flowing blah, blah, blah stuff. You know, we've kind of, we're kind of doer, but we've kind of got there. So let's enjoy it. I know I don't look as if I'm enjoying it, but let's, let's, let's enjoy it when we get there because it'll be good to see us there because I'm... From that, I'm, I'm that age that's used to watching Scotland get into World Cup finals from 74 through to 98, with one exception. Mm-hmm. You were always there, and it was dead exciting. But we'd be good, good teams then, good, good players. And, and even though we did nothing, you were dead excited going there. Dead excited. So I don't have that level of excitement, but it's, it's certainly good to be a part of it rather than not to be a part of it. Uh, yeah. and it's just the same, it's a bit uh, fragmented the way it is this yeah. year. But uh, I think you'll maybe play James Forrest. They likely play Ryan, they likely play Callum, but uh, I think who else is there? Hendry, aye, Hendry. I don't Hendry, think I'll play yeah. Hendry. I don't think I'll play Hendry, I don't think I'll play Turnbull, I don't think I'll play Taylor. Uh, the other three guys will definitely play, I think. Yeah. Um The Daily Mail did the team chalk anyway, Laura, with that article the other day, Okai the Who. I saw that, yeah. Pick that up in the dressing room and say that's what they think he mm. go out and just you know what I mean? Just Go out and kick them, basically. You know what I mean. Batter them, get into them. You know, because I, I, I can't stand that kind of arrogance with yeah. the, especially the English media that they just have to turn up and give Scotland a doing type thing. You know, I would just pin that up and say, read that, and that that doesn't make you want to go out there and shove it up them. Then nothing will. Yeah. You know, I get just I can't get that arrogance. And I know they're a good team, and but you know, just be respectful. You know, we're there as well. You know. We'll show you we're there. Mm. Never argue with idiots, Tony. Never argue with idiots. Ah, no, that's move on. Yeah, move yeah. on. Yeah, we yeah. move on. That's what we, we move on. on. <laughs> well, Jim's back in because we're we're moving on and we're all that kind of stuff. But before we move on to to looking uh, with a bit of nostalgia back at what happened eighteen years ago today, um, did either of you see the the video footage of? Um, Brendan Rogers doing his team talk at one of the cup finals on Twitter. Did mm-hmm. you see it, Jim? 
Yeah. Yes, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I was absolutely baffled by it. And just picking up on what Tony said about, you know, what you use for motivation. Um, Jim, I'll come to you first on it. I, I don't know what Neil Lennon has said to the players in the, in the, in the dressing room this season. I don't know what he's tried to say to them, but I have to admit, for all the ill feeling there is towards Brendan Rodgers for the way he left the club, what an auditor he was in that, that piece of footage. The, the, the hairs were standing up on the, the, the back of my neck and he really put into context what it meant to be playing for Celtic and what it meant to be playing for that trophy. What, what did you make of the of the footage that you saw? I could, he, was, he was obviously very good, but I'm, I'm not so sure how much players pay attention to that just before the game. I mean, they know what they're going to do themselves. Mm. There's only so much you can tell these guys, you know, and, mm. and you've been telling it during the week. So when well, it's only five minutes before they get onto the pitch, I'm not too sure how much they take in. Uh, I think they they will they will they will do their own thing. Uh, but yeah, he's good. Obviously, he's good at what he does, and uh, it's just a shame we lost him. Yeah, in the manner which was. But I think we have to kind of look forward and not look back. I think that's the season finished. Yeah. Let's try and forget that season and let's let's look forward. And, uh, mm. and he's an ex-manager, and and all we've done this season is kind of look back. If only we'd have signed this guy. If only he'd have been the manager. If only blah blah blah. It's finished. Yeah, I think we just. You know, I know. I, I know. I keep saying it, but we just have to move on. You know, hopefully we get a new manager next week, and he brings in some decent players, and then off we go, and we get trying to get a wee bit more upbeat uh, than we've been because it's been a heavy, heavy season. Uh, so let's try and you know be a bit more positive and uh, look forward as opposed to looking back. He's part of the past. You know, let's let's forget about him. Fantastic manager though he was. You know, we do have to move on. Yeah, um, Tony Jim raises an interesting point there. Of, of, um, you know, obviously the majority of the work of a manager is done during the week on the training pitch and all that kind of thing. I I disagree slightly in that I I do think that there's a role for if all that hard work is put in there during the week, then surely there somebody who can speak in the manner that Brendan Rodgers spoke, and hopefully that Eddie Howe will speak in going forward can just add that extra wee bit oomph. You're a guy who uses your, your vocabulary extensively, so I'm sure you've got some thoughts on it. Listen, you look to your leader at times like that, and he gets them all in, and the respect that he obviously had, you know, he's just holding court. And it, it's Braveheart-esque. Someone said in the comments they would have ran through a brick wall for Brendan Rodgers after that, that speech, and you would have. But, I mean, he, he was just drumming it into the players... Immortality beckoned. Their lives would change forever. And I don't know any footballer that wouldn't listen to those words. You know, and just sort of, you know, you've got 90 minutes for your life to flip upside down and you will be a legend. You know, and you know, to actually hear somebody say those words, somebody to break it down like that, to say to you, you know what, this, this game of football matters so much, you know, and, and to actually calm you down and say, listen, this is what will happen. You're good enough to win. Go and win. And at that moment in time, they were wanting their manager to tell them that. And he did. And he, he, I always said before, I want people at Celtic in those positions to be statesman-like, ambassadorial-like, and to be of the highest calibre. Mm-hmm. And there are a few people that could have... I only think there are three managers that could have said something similar. Jock Steen, and Martin O'Neill and Brendan. I think... Mm-hmm. Only three of them could have said that I'm, I'm not okay with managers from the, the distant past. 
you know. So, but that, to my mind, that's only only three managers that could have came away with something like that and could have drummed it into the players what it meant. Uh, and I, I think that I like Jim. I'm sad he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to move on. But as a snapshot of a Brendan Rodgers kind of, you know, of of how the team operated under Brendan Rodgers, then it was very interesting and it. It kind of makes you cry inside. That <laughs> I mean, you see, we let this guy go, but I think you 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 look at that and you think that's pretty pretty uh, magnificent. It's pretty awesome what he what he did there and how the players must have felt walking out onto that pitch in the cup final and and they duly won it and they won it kind of within the first half an hour, really, didn't they? So yeah, what they were two nothing up, weren't they? And, and it was kind of game over. Yeah, know, that's so. right. Yeah, I just think it's a bit. I just think it's a bit unhelpful. We keep looking back, keep looking back. You need to look forward. That's over, you know. Because you know, you're thinking every time you see one of these things, you keep thinking, if only, oh, yeah, yeah. if yeah, only, yeah. you know. So I can I can tend to move by them because you know it's it's happened, it's happened. And also to play devil's advocate with this kind of stuff that sometimes you can tell players more than enough. You can tell you know that when 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 he then says you know this is what this game means some players might go the other way with that thinking oh dear this is a real big game but I just want to calm things down you know just go and play your normal game and do what you can you know so I think there's kind of right. other ways of looking at that but mm. you know I'm <laughs> move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it's a I think it's a fair point. I think we do spend too much time looking back. I think in this particular occasion, it was just the first time I had seen that piece of footage, and it was this week, and it just it was just quite interesting because I thought, you know, he's in the news a lot just now, obviously having won the FA Cup, and it was just proof of you know, like Tony says, the the difference between what we've we've been putting up with and and what we aspire our manager to be going forward, and 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 you hope that somebody of an Eddie Howe caliber or character can come in and, and, and provide that for us. Um, I think it's fine to look back, Laura, maybe 10, 20 years to say those were the good times, we did this, that, and the other. But that one's so recent, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it's sore. And because it's so recent <laughs> and because it's so sore, go on, you stop showing it. Just <laughs> Seville's fine, Lisbon's fine, 97, 98, Darren Jackson, all that stuff. It's absolutely fine. And looking forward to the Euros and Eddie Howe night. So I'm now dictating the conversation here, Laura. Sorry, I'm just wanting to no, move that's that way. Right. You know, that's you, how you, we're moving. Because I missed the first half hour. He goes fast as I can, Tony. As fast as I can. Hot legs, move on, death by a thousand cuts, all that stuff. Bang, 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 bang. Tick, tick, tick. I love Darren Jackson. All that. Ding, 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 ding. No, you raise, you raise actually, that's a good sort of segue, Jim, onto as much as it is going to be looking back, like you say, if we were sitting here on a podcast 18 years ago, I don't think we'd be sitting. Uh, reminiscing with good memories on Seville but we will talk about it because it is 18 years since we appeared in that cup final Um, and Jim I will come to you first obviously a seminal sort of moment as a Celtic supporter one of the massive memories that so many of us have um, regardless of the result Um, have you got any memories or stories from Seville that that, you know spring to mind when when you look back on it? What I said a month or so ago, whether it was that, that I'd have rather taken losing in Seville than winning nine in a row, because mm. Seville put us on the map, put us on the map, you know. So I, I look by very fondly. I was fortunate enough to be there, fortunate enough to get a ticket, 
and it was the highlights basically of the last you know, 50 years for me uh, easily yeah. because that team and that manager you know people came to Celtic Park big teams came to Celtic Park didn't like it at all whereas big teams are coming to Celtic Park just now and just you know it's far too easy for them so that was a team who didn't get messed about with a fantastic manager uh, I think he's second to Jockstein basically mm. Uh, mm. Looked forward to Seville, went, went to the Algarve about four or five days beforehand, hired a car, drove up to Seville. It was phenomenal just to see the city and the colours and everyone behaved themselves, which was important. And uh, I just thought it was too hot for us, just too hot for the team. We didn't yeah. show up, you know, and I think if if even half the team had played as well as Henrik played, we'd have maybe won the game. And I, I thought at no point we were going to win the game up until we get the second goal. And it was a wee 10-minute mm-hmm. phase. I thought, you know what? We could actually do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was fantastic to be there. It was a fantastic occasion. All the games leading up to it, it was just a phenomenal time to be a Celtic fan. I mean, mm-hmm. over the last nine years, it's been a great time. But but, but for me, personal opinion, not at that level. Really mm-hmm. not at that level. And it did put us on the map. And that's what you've got to do. Because if, if you want to be thought as a big club, you know, winning you know, lots of trophies at home, for me, that doesn't cut it. But if you get to a, a European final, I think that's pretty good. If you look across Europe at the kind of smaller leagues, you know, the Danish league or the, the Swedish league or whatever, I've got no idea whether their teams are winning nine in a row, ten or whatever. But if one of their teams got to a European final, I would sit up and take notice. Yeah. And, and that's and that's why Celtic are a big club because of what happened in Lisbon. Because before mm. Lisbon, Celtic were nothing. You know, Celtic were no better than Hibs. You know, before, before the 65 Cup final, it had been 12 years since we'd won a trophy, something like mm-hmm. they won one league in 30 years or something, so certainly we're never a big club, but once you win the European Cup, the expectations go sky high and all of a sudden you're a big club, so we have to be looking forward, competing at that kind of level, getting to the quarterfinals or the semi-finals of the Europa you know, I'm not saying the Champions League, I think that's a bit, a bit too much for us, but uh, we have to be doing that you know, and, and for, for me that, that you know, trumps everything we do at home you know, and, and it'd be good to get back to that kind of level. Hopefully, Eddie Howe, if it is Eddie Howe, can help us get back to that kind of level. Because for me, that's what it's all about. But Seville, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, raising the point about Henry Larson, uh, if everybody played even on half the level he did, I, I think personally, and obviously I don't have as many performances to reference as you guys, but it's the single most amazing individual player performance I think I've seen in a Celtic shirt you know he he did everything that he could to try and win that trophy single handedly that night and it, and that's why he was so de- devastated Tony I think he was so close and yet so far and that's where the satisfaction I think for a lot of Celtic supporters mm. came for him on an individual level seeing him um, triumph with Barcelona a couple of years later Ah, he was anointed that night and I, I, I like Jim when it went when it when it went to two each, I thought Larson's getting a hat trick. We're going to win this. I allowed myself to think like that. And it, mm-hmm. as Jim says, it's the it's the best and worst feeling ever. It's everything I've ever wanted to do as a Celtic supporter. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh yeah, love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the ding the ding the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Be it a European uh, final. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Losing, I've said before, losing is not in the equation. If you offer me the Champions League final now and somebody say, but you'll lose it, I'd say, nah, don't want it. Because mm. you just, it's no European finals isn't a stage for losers. It's just, it's not. But you talk about stories leading up to that and I wrote this in the book, the night of the semi-final, I put a £2 bet on it. Mm-hmm. But I, I ran out the daily record office to put a bet on Celtic to win and the odds were that short. I just thought, stuff that. And I put on the daily lottery, it's called the 49s, and I wrote five numbers down, 27, 27 7, 10 to 3. It was my niece's birthday and she was born on the 27th of the 7th at 10 to 3. Wow. I ran back to the record and I dialed the the hotline that tells you the, the, the numbers and the guy said and the numbers are whatever 27, 7, 10, 2, 3 I took it at 7,251 I won 14 and a half grand and I, and I was just like wow and my sports editor said go down and make sure you've not made a mess of it and I ran in and the guy's like it's you and I'm like hi it's me He's like, you're beauty. And, he, and I was like, back on the phone to my boss, and I went, can I? And he went, it's all right, it's already marked on the board. Are you going to Seville? I said, hi. <laughs> so I, I flew to Torre Molinos for the week. And on a Monday, you could just hear this, one hoops. And see, by the Wednesday, it was echoing all up the beach. Like the place was just stowed. And I didn't have a ticket. Nobody would give me a ticket. And then my pal phoned me. And he said, look, there's a ranger supporter in my work. He's selling two Seville tickets. He said, uh, do you want them? I said, yeah. And he went, with a 500 quid a pop. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, I'll take them. I had the money. So I took I took uh, my dad and my brother uh, to Seville as well. They watched it in the big screen because they couldn't get tickets. And I went uh, to the game. But uh, just it's the one result I've said in all my lifetime of watching Celtic that I would change. I just wanted to see my team win a European final and I was utterly distraught, like Henrik, and I've mentioned that they cut to him and he's holding a silver medal and he looks at the, straight into the camera and says, I didn't come here for this. Mm. And it meant that much to him that he played out his skin. He was superhuman. I mean, the header for his first header is just almost, it defies the laws of gravity. Mm. You know, just the way he got up to put it in. It, it's, just, it's a phenomenal header. And, I, and like a lot of people, I've I've not really watched the I'll never watch the full highlights back or the game back. But every now and again, it'll appear on somebody's feed, and I, I still get that sick pit of the stomach feeling. Yeah, I just I, I can never reconcile myself with losing. But like Jim said, winning the European Cup put Celtic on the map. That's that's modern day historic Celtic starts then. You know, mm-hmm. the club going nowhere. And that, that made you a big club. It defined who you are. See, if you look around world football, lots of teams playing green and white. It's no surprise why. Because mm. this was the first non-Latin team to win the European Cup. This was a reserve of Benfica's, Real Madrid's, Inter Milan's, big clubs. And all of a sudden, 
Sorry, they're from where? People were spinning the globe. Do you see there? And they all kind of come from, yeah, they all come from there. That 30 mile radius thing. A phenomenal, arguably, it's arguably the greatest achievement or one of the greatest achievements in football that you can fashion this team from what went before. A team, a, a club going nowhere and all of a sudden propelled Celtic into the stratosphere football wise. Absolutely propelled them. And Martin O'Neill gave you that back. And for far too long, that's been missing from Celtic. And I agree with Jim on that wholeheartedly that, yeah, he's, he, he put Celtic back in that map and you, and you felt proud. That's why losing was in the equation. And I knew Porto were a better team. I knew they had a manager on the rise. They showed it by winning the Champions League the following season. Just Celtic's luck to play a team that's on the rise. But, you know, they... They gave it their all, and I, I just—it's a lot of that. I, I always get back to it and say it's kind of the most celebrated failure. But I get why it's the most celebrated failure because it meant so much to people. But in my mind, it's still failure, and I don't like to talk about it. To be honest, because <laughs> I said earlier, it still hurts. Eighteen years on, it still hurts. But that's well, I think also, Laura. Uh, mm-hmm. You watch football year after year after year, waiting for the big moments to come. And okay, you win cups and you win leagues, but you win cups, you win leagues next season. And, you know, yeah. but to be at Seville and when Celtic walked onto the park and you look around you and it's a sea of green and white and yeah. it's roasting and you think, we're actually here. Yeah. We're on the big stage and we're competing. And just, just, just to get it was great. And I'm, I've got a different opinion from Tony. Just to have got there. Just to be part of that. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's sad the way it ended up. But I would, I would gladly take going to get into Champions League final and losing. Absolutely. Because it's just, it's just being there. Ah, and in yeah, the semi-final, and in the semi-final, when Henry scored to go against Boa Vista, and then the final whistle went, he realised we're there. Yeah. Well, I, we're I, I, actually I, I, there. And those yeah. are the moments as football fans you live for. And if you're a Celtic fan, because you're winning cups and leagues, you can tend to take them for granted. Mm. But that was huge. That was absolutely huge. And the fact that 80,000 went there showed just how huge it was. And it was just phenomenal. And yeah, it's sad to look back to see we lost it. But as you said, last one was just unbelievable that right. night. You know, and, and although we lost, I think it was just, it was great being there. It was great to have got to the final. And it's a shame we didn't build on that and mm. try and get there another two or three years after that. And since then, we've been pretty awful in yeah. Europe. And that's, you know, when we talk about I know I'm going to look back. I've just said don't look back. Mm. But, but uh, you know, one of the issues we have is the fact that we've been terribly managed over the past few years in Europe, getting to Europe, buying players in time for Europe. We need to mm. sort that out. That has to be sorted out. Because Seville, for anyone who was there, was unbelievable. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. I, 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 my memories of it are, um, unfortunately, I was studying for my standard grades at the time to put to put a bit of perspective on on age and things like that. But I, so I couldn't uh, couldn't wangle my way out, even though some of the teachers in the school mysteriously were off ill for a couple of days over that period of time. Mm-hmm. Who knows why? But um, uh, yeah, I, my memories of it are it's the only football match in my life. I like to think of myself as sensible enough of like I love. Celtic Football Club as much as anybody does but it is just football the only night I have ever cried at the end of a match because purely because we lost the match was Seville and Tony it was the same as as for you I'm more on Jim's side actually of like 
I would rather be there than not, regardless of the result. But at the same time, I was I was heartbroken. I was so heartbroken. I I I, I just thought I, I to to not be too emotional about it. It gave me a kind of sense of this was our opportunity to be what the generations before us had been seeing Lisbon. This was our Lisbon. It was our Lisbon, yeah, and 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 that's why I say that. You just you just can't reconcile yourself with losing. Mm. I, it was great to be there, and I, and I get all that. But you have to win. You know, yeah. I, I, and I don't care how you do it. And uh, people might disagree with that, but you know, it's winning's everything in a European final. It really is. I, I just I, I still, you know, it still gives me that horrible, horrible pit of the stomach feeling. You know, whenever you talk about it and. I've not erased it from my mind because it was still everything I never wanted to do. But I just, I, I just sat there and I was, I was more desolate at the end. I was just nobody could speak to me. I'm sure I, I remember a guy coming from nowhere and just saying to me, "I had this feeling in the San Siro," and I was just like, "I don't care," you yeah. know, I, I don't care because there was nothing anybody could have said to me after that final whistle that would make it any better. And nothing anybody has said to me since has made it any better. So it's, it's just it's just the way I feel, you know, it's just about it. People can try and talk me around and say, Oh, it was great, this and that. I I get all that, but no, we lost. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the opposite, actually, Tony. Tony, I'm actually that's, yeah, that's 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 the opposite. I mean, when I when I walked out the ground that night, I thought that the better team won. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we showed up. And I think mm. if we'd have showed up, then the chances that we might have just sneaked it. But mm. looking at the game over the whole 120 minutes, I thought the better team won, won the night. That's football. That's just the way it goes. But it was brilliant being there. Yeah. I, I don't dispute that. But you've got to win. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with Jim, though. Like I, we came very close, even though we didn't turn up. So if we had turned up, you know, who knows what, what the result could have been. Um, Jim, just to touch back on a point that you made about it and to, to relate it to the present day that Martin and Neil team and I'm sure the Lisbon Lions although I have no memories of them one of the standout qualities of both those teams is they were never intimidated by anybody we've all heard about Bertie Old talking about singing in the in the tunnel before he went out uh, at Lisbon um, facing these like sort of huge Italian players that were heads above him in terms of height and, mm. and he didn't care. The 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 Celtic team of Martin and Neil were the same. They came up against some pretty um incredible opposition and never seemed intimidated. Jim, do you think and this is not to set you up for an answer or whatever, but my personal opinion is that the the team nowadays seem far too intimidated by opposition, uh, much more so than those teams of the past. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? I think there's very few leaders in this Celtic squad and there's maybe a lack of physicality as well. Mm. And that's the two things Martin and you had. There's a lot of physical players, Bobo and Val Harren and Big Mialbi and, and Sutton and Big Hearts keep it as well. Yeah. We had some we had with a world class player and Henry. If you've got one world class player in your team, you've always got a chance. So I think we lack a bit of leadership and we lack a bit of physicality. Uh, and I think those are the main areas that we have to or Eddie hopefully has to look into to try and make things a bit better and and not to get bullied and and, and, we, and we have been such a soft touch this year and Tony's mentioned Ayer in the past Ayer's a soft touch six foot six he's got the physicality mm. you know could be a leader but but 
wasn't, you know, so we need leaders. We need, we need leaders, we need physicality, and we need guys that are confident. So if that's in their makeup, then we've got more than half a chance, I think. Yeah. Laura, you look at that era, and Milan came, Bayern Munich came, mm. Leon, Leon came, you know, Anderlecht came. Juventus. Ah, Juventus. Every big gun came, and you saw them at Celtic Park, and Celtic went toe-to-toe with them. Mm-hmm. I was with giants in the team, but giants in, in personality as well, giants in character, giants in stature. Yeah. And you know you could go toe-to-toe with them. And at no point did I think Celtic were going to get beat on those nights. Mm-hmm. No, there's a clip from the Leon game. I think it's a goal that Liam Miller scores. And David Pleach co-commentating. And Le- uh, David Pleach says, that's one of the best team goals you'll ever see in Europe. You get the clip, go and watch it. And he says, I can't, he says, I can't uh, count the number of passes. He says, because it was just, it was zipped about, zipped about, zipped about. And then Miller scored the header. And it was, it is one of the best team goals you'll see. You know, when was the last time Celtic put a team like that to the sword and mm-hmm. scored goals like that? You know, and that's what Martin O'Neill's mm-hmm. team did. They gave you your pride back on that stage. You were walking out there thinking, we're, we're getting ready to rumble. You yeah. know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go something to beat us here. You know, and, 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 and most left the parkhead with absolutely nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's what Jim's alluding to as well. We you know, he gave us that pride back on that stage. It wasn't a one-off. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to European final, but we took scouts right, left, and centre because he built that team and he, and he realised big physical presence. You know, there's that story of Bobo Baldi banjoing one of the Barcelona players in the tunnel and Rab Douglas and called for it. You know, because you're not going to you're not going to point the finger at Baldi and say it was him. Baldi was fine because I'll get you right there. Mm-hmm. You know, so yep. that kind of intimidation and and stuff like that, just putting top-notch teams off their stride regardless and, and no no amount of skill to go along with it with a world-class player up front. You've always got a chance if you've got that at your in your, at your disposal in your armoury. And those times were brilliant watching Celtic. Mm-hmm. And that's why Europe is always a benchmark. Always yeah. has to be the benchmark. Because we're looking at the last number of years and yeah, it's great to win cups and trophies but beating Motherwell in a cup final compared to seeing some of those big teams off the premises. You know, Juventus beat it, Bayern Munich beat it. You know, brilliant days, absolutely brilliant days. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a positive note to end things on. Um, I, I hope everybody's enjoyed the show today. Um, we were conscious of the fact that we wanted to try and uh, do something positive today, not to recycle a uh, chat about Eddie Howe because that seems no further forward than it was uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and obviously, to to not give a platform to anybody who who you know wants to bring negativity to this community because this has been, certainly from my experience, I'm sure I speak for, for Tony and Jim, and that in the majority it's been a positive experience for everybody and I hope it remains so. Um, thanks everybody for uh, getting in, uh, uh, commenting, uh, subscribing, viewing. Uh, we really appreciate it and we appreciate all the support that we get uh, today and every week. Um, thanks again. This has been A Celtic State of Mind. Goodbye.
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.